Hi everyone! Welcome to the Lift Pono Love Pono podcast. We are a podcast that focuses on creating and building healthy relationships. Love Pono's mission is to provide a safe environment to help the community build and maintain healthy relationships through education, intervention, campus and community resources, and counseling. We educate our community through events, social media campaigns, and workshops to cultivate a campus culture of responsibility and respect, ultimately preventing interpersonal violence. We're excited to have you here today for today's podcast. Aloha, guys. Welcome back to the Live Pono Love Pono podcast. We have a special guest today, Sarah. My name is Kristen. It's so great to be back. Um, Great to be back on the podcast. And I'm just so excited for our new guest, Sarah. She'll share a little bit about herself and what she's gonna, um, what we're gonna talk about today. Go ahead, Sarah. Oh, aloha, everybody. It's so nice to be here on Love Pono's podcast. Um, My name is Dr. Sarah Vogel. I'm the Title IX coordinator at Hawaii CC on the island of Hawaii. Um, I am super excited for our topic today. We're going to talk all about bisexuality, pansexuality. We're going to debunk stereotypes. We're going to talk about sexual empowerment, sexual identity development. I mean, it is so wonderful that you all are creating this space to talk about something that's so incredibly important for so many of our students. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. And in looking at our title for today, it's Beyond the Labels, Unmasking Bisexual, Pansexual, Gay, and Lesbian Stereotypes. So we're, the purpose of this um, podcast is to challenge these stereotypes surrounding um, all these identities and well and kind of explore how these stereotypes can contribute to unhealthy and um, sexual dynamics. So looking at stereotypes, um, Sarah, can you share with us some of the stereotypes that you've seen um, around the LGBTQ community? Yeah, so I think in order to do that, I'm going to back up a bit and talk about growing up on the North Shore of Oahu. Um, I grew up in Haleiwa, Hawaii, so on Oahu. I went to school at Kahuku High School and um, Intermediate, and I absolutely loved my time there. But what I understood as a young woman, as someone who was coming into her own sexuality, was that it was immoral to love another woman, right? So this was very much influenced by being close to Brigham Young University, um, being close to the LDS faith. Um, That was my experience. But I think as we look across various religions, we'll see that there are many religions that subscribe to this idea that marriage is between one man and one woman, love is between a man and a woman. And it doesn't make a lot of space for the reality of how humans have existed since the dawn of time. That sexuality, romantic attraction are all varied. And there there is a spectrum of who we love and how we love and how we're sexually attracted and romantically attracted to one another. So as a young girl growing up, the stereotypes that I internalized were that this is against the Bible, it's against God, I wasn't going to go to heaven, I wasn't going to, that I was a disgusting human, that how could I, how could I even think about being a tractual woman, it's wrong. And even though I personally did not grow up in an LDS faith, this was, these were the messages that I grew up with in my environment. And all of us are susceptible to the messages that our environment, our media, our music, our teachers, our parents, our friends tell us, right? And so 
that is all impacted by culture, religion, um, gender norms, etc. And so growing up, you know, when I first started to feel kind of these sexual attractions to women and men, I, um, I told myself those same messages, Sarah, just put it away. That's not for now. These are not right. You shouldn't feel this way. You're just confused. Right. And these are the same messages that people that I speak with in my role as a title nine coordinator, people that I speak with as my role as a sex educator will also be grappling with, right. You're confused. You just, um, you've never loved a man before. As soon as you have your first kiss, you'll know, you know, it's, um, it's very, it's a very confusing time to be a child or a young adult in this world today, because we really don't make a lot of space to talk about from a research base, evidence base, um, sex positive space, that there is a spectrum and that they're not strange and that they are, if they're developing romantic or sexual attractions for a person of their same gender, opposite gender, multiple genders, all types of genders, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. Um, And so when someone grows up feeling othered, it can have a huge impact in the way that they feel about themselves, in the way that they show up for their romantic relationships and sexual relationships, and the way that they show up for um, in their mental health, the way that they feel about themselves contributes to higher rates of, of, issues with mental health and I think that's where one of the many problems that we see with the way that our society has addressed or not addressed um, the spectrum of sexuality. Powerful and I love that you just shared um, thank you for opening up and sharing your own personal story and I totally like I'm getting flashbacks because I've um, also am bisexual and I've I've only come out in 2020 and mm-hmm. I made it, um, fun story, um, I did it during Pride Month for La Pono, and I've came out in a short video, and everyone was like, you know, they're supporting, I was so, um, I was so grateful, but my story is that I grow, I grew up in the, in the Christian household, and, um, very similar, like, um, you shared and I'm still in the midst of grappling with my faith and also my my um you know my my life and so I've I've came out bisexual and um before when I was growing up maybe around intermediate time um this is when I started feeling romantic feelings for um one of my classmates and I was like I didn't know why I I was like just put it away Kristen just put it down you know it's gonna pass maybe it's just because she's prettier you know maybe because you know something else and I always made I always put myself off or I put myself back on the shelf and I feel like I wasted a lot of years not being authentic or genuine but everybody I, I feel one thing I learned at Love Fun was everyone's time is different and hmm. you know the most important thing whether you're outside or you come out or you're still valid your identities are still valid and you should still be respected and you should still honor that part of yourself and that I don't know I just had to thank you for sharing that because right now I especially looking up to tomorrow you know we're looking at pride month um just remembering you know 
for me because I'm still my mom is a, a preacher <laughs> and wow. Um, wow yeah and I've still and I still um practice my faith but um I still am at a part of myself where um I can still exist you know my identity still matter um even with the faith so thank you for yeah. sharing that and, and I think and I think both of them can coexist right I think that there are examples um and if you want to share more about your coming out experience for the listeners, right, who are maybe grappling with family have very devout faith and they know that you're bisexual and how you've navigated those conversations. Because for me, my family is not like is not LDS, is not Christian. My mom's Christian, but like we're never a practicing household. Right. And to be frank, like I've never had to come out with my parents. I post about it. I talk about it on my podcast but I've never had to come out. I, my coming out story is, um, I went through a sex education program. So I'm currently going through a program right now to become a certified sex educator. And as I was really diving into the research around the Kinsey scale and sexual and romantic attraction, I was like, we did this exercise in our class where it's like, okay, put yourself on the spectrum of like heterosexual all the way to homosexual and everything in between. And I put myself kind of close to the middle. I was like, well, I'm not like only attracted to men. I'm attracted to women as well, but I wouldn't qualify myself as a lesbian. I'm married to a man. Um, and I found that my class, and I was thinking that everyone was going to be in the middle because I thought everyone feels this way. Right. And so many of my classmates were on the opposite ends. Like they were only attracted to the opposite sex or they were only attracted to the same sex. And there were some of us in the middle. And I thought, well, that's weird. So then I asked my husband, I was like, babe, have you ever been attracted to a man? He's like, no. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, like, let's get rid of all of the stereotypes. Like, you've never felt attracted to another man. He's like, no. Is that, I'll, he's like, why are you asking me that? I was like, because I think I might be bisexual. <laughs> and he goes, yeah obviously you're bisexual and I was like what and he was like Sarah he's like you've been with women you're attracted to women like how do you not know you're bisexual and I think that was a really interesting coming out experience that is not uncommon for people which is we've always known what we like deep inside we always know who we're attracted to, just like when we're little kids and many people who are not bisexual or pansexual can understand, like when you're a little kid and you start feeling romantic attractions or sexual attractions, if it's of the opposite sex, you're not going to ask yourself, why do I feel this way? It's just quote unquote, the normal way to feel, right? Because heteronormative relationships are this, this is the status quo that we've been taught is the normal way, quote. But we know it. We don't have to have a word for it. We know who we're attracted to, right? Just like I knew I was attracted to women from a young age, but because of the way I was socialized, I was taught, no, I should stop listening to my own gut instinct, mm -hmm. instinct, my now. So for 30 something years, I've been thinking to myself like, yeah, I know I'm attracted to women, but ah. Uh, I'm not gay or I'm not queer or I'm, this is just how life is. 
And then when you start to interact with people, learn about sexuality on a deeper level, you realize, but that isn't everyone's experience. Your unique experience, as you said, is valid. Mm -hmm. So my husband, the person I've been married to for 13 years, in some ways was able to easily categorize my sexuality because of the things I shared with him but I internally was still grappling with but that's not me and I think a lot of that denial comes from the fact that there are these stereotypes that exist right there are these biases right so powerful and I love how you 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 were talking about grappling and I'm I'm still working through it too but I've I've come so far to a point where you know it's more of a you know I'm healing parts of um, what I was going through, but I love that you talked about stereotypes. It's so funny because my friend, I, I I told her somebody, well, not my friend now because I recognized it was an unhealthy relationship, but I came out to her and she said, this is a stereotype I've heard every time um, somebody saw my video on, on um, you know, coming out on Pride Month and they're like, oh, so now that we know you're bisexual, does that mean you like me? Does that mean you like me? And I'm like, well, first of all, you're not my type. Second of all, you're my friend. And just because I'm bisexual does not mean that I like you. <laughs> so I've really heard that stereotype um, is that, oh, now that we know you are, that means you like me, like my, 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 my friends or, or, or girls. And I just, it really took me back. And, you know, I kind of was like, <laughs> no, but inside I'm like, you know, is that the first thing you think about me when I share with you that, um, or that you know that I'm bisexual, that's your first, you know, statement to say, so that kind of hurt, um, but um, also one where if you tell, um, I also have one of my cousins, I won't share, but um, just knowing that his experience too um, with bisexual, it's either because he's a guy, and they would say like, oh, so that means you're gay and we we're very close on how we share things because we're both experiencing um in our own different ways but one thing he shares is that just because I am a man and I I do um I am bisexual it you know they kind of just say oh you're just gay or and I stick up for him because I don't I don't you know he said he's bisexual he he is and you know and or they would say like, oh, maybe this is just a phase, you know, until mm-hmm. you turn gay. And I say, well, I, I just feel like um, coming out for me bisexual is that um, even for men in my family, like, oh, maybe you just haven't met the right man. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, these stereotypes, these stigmas. It's <laughs> sometimes I'm just like, Ugh, yeah, but it's really difficult. Um there's so much stereotypes and um within the community and it's just like oh that's not I'm just tired of hearing <laughs> hearing the hearing the you're my friend one and that means you're gonna date me I'm like no <laughs> no it well let's not. and I think that it would be really interesting for you all at some point to get a someone who identifies as both a man and bisexual because I think mm-hmm. that their experience will be completely different right there's this sense um in our society as well, that like girls kissing girls is fine. Girls loving up on women 
whether it be in a romantic way or just a sexual way or just like a friend way is okay we are it's in some ways it is socially acceptable to be more close physically with another woman if you identify as a woman Mm -hmm. but as you mentioned with your cousin as soon as a man says I'm bisexual the immediate like people's thoughts go to oh you're on your way to gay you know this this constant invalidation is something that I think bisexual people have to deal with all the time well you don't know yourself you know like so condescending right and the reality is bisexual men exist as well it is just when you even look up like who are the bisexual celebrities for example the majority of that list will be female identified folks because um and i i believe this it's not necessarily that women are more prone to being bisexual it's that um, there is still quite a stigma about masculinity and bisexuality, right? And that's something that growing up in a cisgendered woman's body, I never had to deal with. Um, and so there is there is a different experience for the men. I have to I have to imagine very different. Um, and then on the topic of your friends being like, well, do you like me? I think that speaks to this idea of fetish fetishization of queerness as well as um this idea that those who are bisexual are just like sex fiends that we are just want to fuck everyone and it's like this is not Mm -hmm. who we are right right just because we are attracted to another to all whether it's pansexual and it doesn't matter what gender or it's bisexual male women it's a little more boxed in um I don't want to have sex with everyone just like you don't want to have sex with everyone every man that you see or every woman that you see like as you joked and I think we use humor as a way to cope with the constant invalidation is like you're not even my type dude like you're not my type but that humor is both a coping mechanism and a protective mechanism because yet again here you are like you it's taken so long for you to come to these terms and now that you're out and you chose pride month to come out it's like and here comes the onslaught of misunderstanding and as a person who is dealing with that messaging again and is cognizant of it and conscious of it you have to decide do i deal with this with humor Mm-hmm. Do I diffuse this with, do I teach them? You know, do I use this as a learning moment? Am mm-hmm. I just pissed and I have a short fuse and I'm like, go fuck off. You know, like what you have to decide every time that something like this happens, is it worth the fight? Is it worth the humor? Is it worth even acknowledging? And that, that leads to the exhaustion that continues to lead to the mental health troubles that we see a lot in the LGBTQ community, which is not only am I grappling internally with all the shame and all the stigma and all the knowing and not knowing of who I am, but then there's the constant onslaught of messages from outside that you have to almost put up a protective shield constantly that's so good and I love how you shared um just humor using those as coping mechanisms I've really um I've really looked as to humor as one of my coping mechanisms that's so funny you brought it up because now instead of um you know how you said like I can choose all these choices humor has been my one to go to and also um also knowing when I should 
educate or when I should, um, you know, share something with, with somebody that I, if somebody really genuinely wants to know and be like, hey, can you share with me? I would definitely um, share some education. But if I know that it's, you know, gonna be like, kind of like with my friends, I, I would just dark humor or like, not dark humor. <laughs> Yeah, dark humor. humor. Dark humor could be, yeah. I sure. Where I'm like, you know what? <laughs> because I was like, oh, this this is a repetitive the cycle. How you said, yeah. um, I've just noticed this. Like, oh, the cycle is coming back, and you know, sometimes I have to go that route. But I love that you um shared also about um mental health. Can you share some um some things maybe you personally or you know anything with mental health um, when it comes to these stereotypes what happens yeah I mean I think that for anyone listening especially if you're a student at the in within the University of Hawaii system you have access to mental health support resources right we have counseling centers on all of our campus and um, I would highly encourage you to use them one of the presentations that I've done as a Title IX coordinator at the UH is to talk about what it's like to seek mental health support. So the therapist on our campus, Kate DeSoto and myself did a presentation. She spoke from a therapist lens and I spoke from a patient's lens. She is not my therapist, but she is a therapist for our students and could offer kind of when you decide to make that call, and I walk through what it's like to make that call in this presentation, because to me, that was the hardest part of seeking mental health support was making the call. You know, I knew that it would be beneficial. I went through a master's program in counseling education. Like I knew from a research base from a practice base how important it is for someone to have a safe space or a brave space where they have a confidential resource they can tell anything to right they can just like let it all out and then it's like you just someone helps share the load mm -hmm. and then you can move on with your day just like many of us have experienced like seeing a really good friend and over coffee or whatnot and you just kind of like share everything that's going on you feel this sense of lightness it's like that with a therapist but the therapist is not your friend mm -hmm. is a trained professional and is confidential so everything that you say there stays there unless of course you're saying that you're going to harm yourself or others in which case they do have to take action but for the most part everything that you need to say stays there um Making that call was incredibly hard for me because it was, uh, from a personal standpoint, I was like, I failed. I wasn't able to counsel myself. I, I'm, I'm so weak. What a weak person I am. Like, I kept telling myself, I don't need this. I don't need this. But I kept crying and crying and crying. And my husband was finally like, but don't you need this? I mean, he's just the best. And he is a huge supporter of mental health um resources as well and so I did I finally made the call um using I'm a faculty member so we have the EAP program the employee assistance program and so as soon as they as soon as they picked up the phone and were like EAP how can we help you I just started crying mm -hmm. I was like where do I begin <laughs> where do I, be? I don't even really know I'm just crying a lot and I feel like I need to talk to someone so even if you don't have the words mm -hmm. again going back to listening to our na'au our gut it's like 
there are signs and signals of something is wrong. If you are feeling sad, depressed, unmotivated when you once were motivated, if you're angry all the time, if you are feeling this heightened sense of of scared or in, being scared or insecure, like there at any point in time, you can always call someone. Generally, a lot of people are trying to, are just like, I don't need to involve a third person. Now I can do this myself. We're independent wahine, you know, like there's all these things. But if it's impacting your everyday life, mm-hmm. if you're lashing out at your partner or you're finding yourself retreating or you find yourself being like, it's hard for me to get out of bed. I don't look forward to anything. These are all signs that there is probably something deeper going on that you could benefit talking to someone about. Once I got into therapy, and even when I saw my therapist for the first time, who I still see today, man, going into that office, I was like sweating. I was nervous, you know, like I didn't know who she was what she was going to say. What if she just confirms my biggest fear is that I'm a loser, that I'm a weak person. And the opposite was true. If anything, man, the first session was just like, as soon as she was like, how can I help you? And what are you here for? What do you want to, you know, however she phrased it. And I just started releasing all of the toxicity, all of the built up emotions. I just immediately started feeling better. I felt like, there was this warm energy that I could just let myself relax and be my fullest self. We live in a world that everyone's putting their highlight reels online. Everyone, you know, like even in pride month, everyone's like, yay, we're free. We're liberated. This is who we are. This is our deepest. Like this is, this is who we are. And I'm proud. Well, that comes on the back of a lot of tears and a lot of struggle for pretty much everyone (laughs) who has gone through this process, (laughs) right? Um, A lot of insecurity, a lot of unknowing. And so I think during Pride Month, I hold space for those who are still grappling. (laughs) Those like you and I who still are at the beginning stages of the coming out process are still the beginning stages of understanding the depths of our humanity and our sexuality. And so for those who are also in these beginning stages who might be questioning, Mm -hmm. like, oh, I am attracted to this person or that, and I don't know how I feel. Reaching out to a therapist or a coach, someone for mental health support during this time could be incredibly affirming, could just move you through the process of coming to terms with yourself in a way that you're starting from a base of empowerment instead of a deficit model. Wow. Oh my gosh, Sarah, that was so powerful. I'm so blown away. I had to take a moment. I love what you just said at the end, coming from a place of empowerment, you know, starting from a place that uplifts you and brings you up instead of, you know, um, just starting over here, you know, but wow, just to start at a place where you're being empowered, you're validated, and you're getting support. And I love how you said, um, there is no shame. I think also with culturally, um, Mm -hmm. I'm Pacific Islander, and 
you know, when it comes to talking, seeking out help um, for being Samoan in Hawaiian, for me personally, I've just um, was always told, you know, you don't, you don't need it, you know, you don't need to go seek out help, you know, or just go pray. But, you know, I also believe like there's like, how you said you know in your gut feeling you know you you know I also got scared too going out to go talk to my counselor when I reached out I was like man you know I think I got this you know this whole like I feel even with our culture today is like you know I got it you know you know it's a badge of honor you know and even burnout you know I got it I'll push myself um yeah. how long I can go until I burn out and you know it's I feel like it's not a it's not a badge of honor to burn out you know and I learned that the hard way um for not seeking out help and once I did it kind of remind me of like a ball of yarn our, our thoughts you know everything we're going through is like a ball of yarn and it's all scrambled and and then you're talking to your therapist and the yarn is just going out and they're it, untangling it all untangling. yeah I, and that's how I felt and I feel like even with anybody listening just know that there is no shame in seeking support you know it doesn't make you weak in fact it makes you strong because you know taking that next step to take care of yourself and um you know it's there's no there's no shame you know in in seeking out support so I just love how you said you know you can start from this place of empowerment so thank you for sharing that and also and I just wanted to talk about um because we're wrapping up also because we're on the I've known um, we went a little bit past but um, if, if you want to highlight any like main points that um, you would let our listeners that they want to know about either seeking services supports or just words of wisdom that you would like to leave us with man there's so many you know I think that this journey well one sexual identity development is across a lifespan. You don't get to a certain age and you're like, all right, this is who I'm going to be for the rest of my life. You change every single day, week, year, you're a different person. Ideally a more knowledgeable, more open-minded person. Right. And so sexual identity development is not something that just stays in your teen years or your early twenties. Like it can move and shift over a lifespan. And so I don't want people listening if they're of, you know, like in their 30s, 40s, 50s and beyond thinking to themselves like it's too late for me to explore this part of my life. It is not. It is not. Um and again, my reception when I came out to my husband was incredibly open and loving and I do this work professionally talking to people about their sex lives talking to people about power talking to people about social justice and so he was already kind of primed to hear this from me and he knew me on a very intimate level and he has been with me for 13 years not everyone is going to come to that place you know, where if you are going to come out to someone, there is that very real fear. And so I do believe that practicing coming out with either a therapist or, Mm -hmm. and like talking through what the benefits or the risks could be, because that's very real for a lot of our LGBTQIA youth. Like that is very real Mm -hmm. that there could be actual consequences to this, like being disowned or not having, you know, becoming houseless because their families don't accept them. Right. And so talking to a therapist about it, talking to, um, 
a counselor at the UH would be a great place to do that. You know, even talking to a best friend who just knows you so well to to just get the words out because I think sometimes even like that feeling of stuckness in your throat of like oh which is why I love like when I go to the therapist it's just I tell you I joke with people that I just go and yell at her because I can't like in my in my real life I you have to contain yourself you have to you have to minimize in some ways your your fullest expression of who you are and if anything because of social norms right when you go to a therapist, I get to be my fullest self. There's nothing that I can't say to her because she's a great therapist. She lets me be who I truly am. So practicing who Sarah is on her deepest level with her gives me the strength to then go out in the world and deal with, again, both the internal, now I feel a little bit more fortified in who I am, and I can take on, I have a bigger shield to the nonsense that our world sometimes gives us, the homophobic nonsense, the racial nonsense, the gender-based nonsense, you know, I have a bit more armor. And even though I feel very armored in this world, I still hold space for softness too. And I think sometimes we can get stuck in the process of coming out of just being so angry. Like, why do we live in a world where this is still criminalized in so many countries why do we live in a country that has people running for president that still continue to stigmatize us and still continue to legislate laws against us that ban books about us like this there is a lot to be angry about and so for those I guess my parting words is for those who are listening whether you identify as as queer or not lgbtqia not whatever term you use Remember that you are part of moving the narrative forward. Remember that by healing yourself, you do heal the world, right? Grace Lee Boggs said, transform yourself to transform the world. The healing begins with you. So by healing yourself, by coming to terms with yourself, and then when you are brave enough and when the situation is right to share yourself with the world, that in itself will be will spark someone else's light, will give someone else hope, will give them a little bit more courage to say, you know what, her story, their story, his story resonates with me. And maybe I can take one little brave step towards becoming who I am. So I love you all. Thank you all for listening. Thank you so much, Chris, for letting me come on the pod to share my story. And hopefully this gives someone a little bit more bravery to step into the world as their full and true self. Thank you. Wow. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Sarah, of just for sharing everything, sharing your personal stories, just sharing about support and breaking the stereotypes as well as sharing those like amazing words of wisdom. And I just love everything that you shared. It was so awesome. Oh, thanks, Chris, my biggest hype person. <laughs> oh, that's so good. I need to talk to you on on the on on off the podcast. I'm like, wow. And just oh my gosh, you're so you are so awesome. Like I don't know how to <laughs> Aloha everyone. I am so grateful and thankful for Dr. Sarah Vogel for sharing her story with us as well as 
being able to have a safe space to open up about our own experiences as well as dispelling these myths associated in the lgbtq community and as well just know that if you are a member of the lgbtq community know that you are loved and valued just the way you are you deserve to live a happy and fulfilling life free from discrimination and prejudice and the one thing i would like to highlight upon is dr sarah vogel's amazing words of encouragement the first step into healing the world is healing yourself and when you heal yourself you're healing the world so remember to embrace your authenticity and be proud of who you are and remember that you are not alone and your existence is a beautiful important part of this world keep being you and never let anyone make you feel otherwise again if you would like to have more information please check us out on instagram at lovepono l-o-v-e-p-o-n-o a very big thank you to dr sarah vogel as well for talking with me again thank you listeners for listening and as well we do have a quick question before we sign out the question is what makes you proud on pride month and share with us about fun things you're gonna do this month this is your love pono student assistant chris and i hope to see you next time